Hello and welcome to Leviathan News, your number one source for all things DeFi. Today is Monday, January 22nd. I'm host Samuel McCullough, and I'm joined today by Dio, who is here to uh, help us run yes. through today. Dio, what's going on, sir? How are you? Doing great, doing great. Yeah, this, uh, we're going to talk about LRTFI. It's a whole new, you know, new DeFi primitive. And uh, yeah, Pendle is pioneering in this space and uh, looking forward to dive into the, all the positives and uh, risks. Yeah, yeah. so excited. So uh, LRTs, liquid restaking tokens, uh, it doesn't come off the tongue as easy as LSDs or maybe onto the tongue, uh, but it's the hottest market in, uh, in, in crypto right, right now. Eigenlayer has over a billion dollars deposited into its contracts at the moment for its forthcoming restaking system. And people are doing this with the expectation of getting Eigenlayer points, which is probably going to be converted into an airdrop later this year. Eigenlayer's restaking lets new crypto services borrow the security provided by Ethereum validators in return for extra yield by adding additional slashing conditions. Well, we don't really understand or have clear uh, details about what those slashing conditions for B can be. Uh, the potential for restaking is already valued in the tens of billions as new projects are expected to bootstrap their security budget on the back of Ethereum validators instead of launching their own L1 or L2s. And this is going to have massive implications for operational efficiency across all of the middleware services that we use. Uh, but it does add on new and novel risks unseen in crypto before. And so one of the biggest questions that arise from Eigenlayer is how do we price in these risks and what exposures it's going to add to DeFi? And so today we have on the wonderful Dan from Pendle, who is here to uh, come and talk about their recent additions of LRTs to Pendle and how they're looking at LRTs to be added and be operationalized into DeFi in the future. So welcome, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here again. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. Uh, so I want to actually, um, we'll get to LRTs in a second, right? But I think there's a bunch of risks on both the LSDs and both the LRTs that is just all these unknown unknowns that we don't know about yet. Over the weekend, we had a uh, issue with one of the consensus clients actually affecting LSDs. So Nethermind, which is one of the minority uh, clients, uh, had an issue that caused uh, validators that were running its execution client, or sorry, consensus client, uh, to essentially stop producing blocks for some period of time. And uh, this is pretty worrying, right? So here's a tweet from uh, Superfizz, uh, who said that uh, it's it's a very big issue and it creates a single point of failure. Uh, Nethermind is a minority client. Uh, one of the uh, like bigger clients, Geth, is used by about 80 to 85 percent of all validators running on ETH right now. And uh, if if it did have an issue and it went down, uh, it could be pretty, pretty substantial, right? So mm -hmm. when we look at these uh, issues that arise from, you know, simple things like even clients that people run for yeah. consensus, uh, it becomes an issue, right? And then with restaking, we're adding on tons of new risks as well, too, with AVSs, where mm -hmm. uh, the AVSs add in additional sl slashing conditions, and that kind of all filters downstream into, uh, into DeFi. So that's uh, what I wanted to address today. Yeah. So, um, Dan, welcome. <laughs> 
I can I can start yeah. if you want them, or maybe you yeah. Um, I think just some some few thoughts on my side. Um, I find anything building on top of anything just adds additional any kind of additional layer of risk. Um, yeah. Fundamentally, of course, it will be the val validators in uh, in a blockchain, and if they fail, um, no, the blockchain could fail. But anything that you build on top of introduces any form of risk, and I find it on I bring, I put the responsibility on the market participants whether they want to put involve themselves in that risk or not. Um, so eigenlayer. So if you don't trust the risk, then I would suggest to not participate. But I think Vitalik a couple of weeks ago put out a paper on resaking to not overload the Ethereum consensus. Um, personally, I kind of share the same view um, as Vitalik that I'm not. I'm, to be honest, I'm not really a technical person, but I do find that reusing the same um, security network to validate Ethereum to validate everything outside of Ethereum might pose as risks that are unknown to um, what we currently have. Um, and usually I think presenting yourself to unknown risk is quite a gamble, especially if you have quite a million, a couple of million dollars, I got a billion dollars, um, within the blockchain that you're trying to secure. Uh, and I think, you know, in general, as a DeFi protocol, you gotta be really careful, careful building anything on top of this. Some people call it DeFi Legos. I sometimes call it DeFi Jengas. Uh, one breaks, everything else, everything else breaks. So, yeah. Yeah, so you guys have yeah. recently added a brand new LRT in, and uh, this was covered in detail by Pendle Endhern, uh, who was writing about the addition of EtherFi's EETH on Pendle. And he says that potentially there's like four to five digits worth of restaking airdrops here, and that there's some pretty incredible things that you can do with your PTLP and YT tokens as well, yep. too. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you know this intimately so maybe you can walk through what the addition of ee has meant for pendle and uh what pendle in turn was covering in this thread yeah i think um just brief just a you know quick introduction of pendle if you haven't if you guys haven't already known about us we are a yield trading protocol uh what it means that you can trade the yield of any yield bearing asset now um, how it works, I think I'll, I'll go. I'll go through that later. But with the introduction of EETH on Pendle, it has been, I'd say, the most popular pool that we have ever um, listed. So it's pretty good to see uh, that traction. But mainly that's because people have been speculating on the value of points on um, uh, Ether five points and also the Iron Layer points. So. I think without without going through the mechanics too deeply, um, I think for the part, for the listeners who want uh, want to know more about how it works, they can listen to the previous episodes uh, of Pendle in Leviathan News. I think we cover pretty in depth on Pendle's uh, Pendle's mechanics. But then specifically for EE, there are three paths for you to take. If you want more points, if you want to rack up a lot of points, you get by you buy YT. What you'll do in the app is you go to the app, you purchase, you click on, you go to the panel trade and you click on YT and you can see how much YT you'll get for, let's say, one ETH. I think right now, one ETH can buy you 10 YTs, which means one ETH can buy you the yield and points exposure of 10 ETH equivalent on EtherFi. So that's what we mean. This, this is what we mean by leveraging up your points exposure. But, you know, just know that you are basically buying points that 
which which value is unknown. And I think right now users are speculating on points pretty hard. So users have been buying a lot of YT on Pendle, which gave us quite a decent amount of trading volume. Now, um, if you are not that gambly and you already have EE, then you just want to retain your points exposure and you want to earn more yield. What you can do is just use your EE to provide liquidity on Pendle. You'll still retain all the points exposure that you have. Um, it's just that you're earning extra yields on top by facilitating swaps, Pendle, um, Pendle incentives, um, extra extra swap fees, and you still made, you're still need, still earning yields from EE um, itself. So that's where I like the safe play. And the safest play is you buy PT with EE. So what it means is uh, by, by PT doesn't earn any points. So you're foregoing the points and you're foregoing EE yields for a fixed yield exposure. I think right now we are offering the highest fixed yield exposure in crypto. Right now, uh, I think it's about 27 or 28% fixed yield on an ETH-denominated asset just because you're foregoing that points. So those are the three paths uh, you can take right now. And um, listing these assets on Pendle has been pretty good. Our trading volume has skyrocketed, and our TVL is also skyrocketed just from one asset. And yeah, it's good to see that people are speculating pretty hard on um, the expected value of the points. So it's all a bit, it's all a bit simple right now, right? Like uh, people are people are kind of um, speculating on what the Etherby airdrop is going to be. Additionally, the Eigenlayer airdrop as well too. And the the YT probably matches what the the yield return is going to be uh, from from that, or at least they're they're kind of guessing, right? And so that thirty percent is is going to be uh, predicting at that time period what that value would be uh, with, yep. with YT. Yeah. So right now, um, the value of PT, which is like the fixed yield, is pretty much the annualized return that people are expect people are valuing their airdrop to be. Um, so right now the market is essentially valuing it at 27% uh, return annualized. So I think that's a decent uh, opinion, um, given a lot of market speculation on how big the drop from Eigenlayer and Etherify is going to be. I find that number pretty reasonable, though personally, I'm more into buying the PT just because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not into the point system personally. So I'm just racking up a lot on the fixed yield position on ETH. It's the highest fixed yield position you can get anyway. That's crypto. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I think the um, for like a probably a risk adjusted return, the PT tokens are again like I, I like that as well too. Uh, the YT system, you're you're speculating on the the future yield, which you should probably have some good insight into, or at least can uh, predict it with some level of accuracy and that that becomes a little bit harder you know one of the things that we talked about last time which i don't think had been integrated um, and maybe you can tell me if it's now is are there uh lending market or money market facilities for the yt tokens now uh, because YT, the... mm -hmm. yes but small money markets okay. very very small money markets that i can't really endorse here <laughs> okay okay because one of the things we talked about is that like yt gives you like buying it gives you like long yield uh, but there wasn't an effective way to like short that yield yet. So yep. uh, hopefully at some point we get deeper money markets so that both the short and the long of that yield can be uh, can be played out. Yeah, for sure. Right now, the best way to short yield is just to buy PT, which is not really that capital efficient. You're just earning fixed yield on it um, anyway. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about liquid resaking, right? Uh, once, eigenlayer, once Eigenlayer launches, right, we, we expect there to be a lot of different AVSs. And all of these different AVSs are going to add in new slashing conditions 
uh, on top of the LRTs. And uh, people have speculated about what that's going to look like, uh, whether it's kind of this monolithic system for something like EtherFi, where everybody has to have the same ABSs that they're running their nodes for, uh, or if it's going to be a bit more uh, decentralized mm -hmm. where uh, individual validators will have a choice about what type of AVSs they'll support. And what that adds in is a bunch of new risk layers on top that, you know, you have a, <clears throat> I, I it, it essentially adds in like one validator could have these risk factors. Another one could have these risk factors, but they're all kind of yeah. like wrapped up in the ETH token. So how are you guys looking at that in the approach of, uh, when when eigenlayer does go live uh, for providing uh, DeFi services for these LRTs? My personal hunch on how slashing would work um, would just be them losing their stake disposition on, on eigenlayer that affects their own yields. So what we do on panels is we just enable um, yield trading here and let users speculate on what the yields for these individual LRTs are going to be. Well, that's assuming we're going to support many LRTs, which we, we, we are going to be um, doing that. And we just enable a platform for users to speculate on uh, who's getting who's getting what for, who's getting what form of healing, who's getting slash. And I think that's usually kind of predictable. Um, I find that my personal hunch would be the more established LRTs would have would only want to be validators of more um, established AVSs, while the less established AVSs will only receive, you know, validators from people from LRTs who are not popular, and those, you know, the risk adjusted yields for all these different um, LRTs will start to play out over the long run. But in the short run, the short run they're definitely going to be this, definitely going to be some some level of fluctuations. But what, what we're going to do here on panel is just let people have the choice to speculate on it. And yeah, you just can have a say on what is the accurate market valuation for the, for, um, the yields for the LRTs. Um, I think right now, what we're doing is let the market speculate and get a consensus on what the values of the points are. In the future, we'll get a market, let the market have a consensus on what the actual yields of the LRT is going to be. Because you know what the yields going to be is, depends on what values they take and what the market is valuing the yields to be is what they expect. Um, the AVSs, um, what kind of AVSs they're, they're, they're validating. I think it's very cool that Bundle moves so fast with the point separation and the yield separation. I think it's really cool to see how fast the, the ecosystems move and now with the, the points and the separation of points and yield. Uh, that's, that's really cool to see. Uh, I well, I, I think it's yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty easy for, for that one actually, because uh, we have the algorithm to split yield, and we just give that to the partners um, that that we integrate, like for example EtherFi, and it's like, hey, this is how we split the you split yield, and just take this script and split the points that way, and yeah, that's uh, kind of kind of kind of how we do it. But the thing is, points are kind of an off-chain thing, so yeah, you know, like. I, I feel like people in crypto, we are in crypto to, to like, you know, generally we have the same idea of we want freedom, we want people, we want to have access, we don't want this, we want open access for financial products or any products in general, um, but then points kind of, airdrops kind of like, you know, is not, does not share that same ethos where, you know, insiders only get it. Um, but yeah, I think that's what the market uh, is very, is what's trending on the market right now. So I think we kind of have to move in that direction. Yeah. I think it's almost it's it's a boon for Pendle in a way these AVS services right the restaking, because you know ETH yields probably will compress. I mean they're they're in the threes right now. They do they do fluctuate based on the amount of gas that's being used. 
uh, yep. and the demand for for block space on ethereum and so they you know they range from like three to like five percent maybe they go up to six percent or something like that depending on uh current usage mm -hmm. Uh, what I find so interesting about the addition of something like Eigenlayer is that that three to five percent base yield now can have an additional uh, little infinite extra yield on top, right? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it out of the way to say that you could, with a robust restaking system, add on an additional ten to twenty percent yield on top of yeah, whatever LSD you're using, and that that's that's extremely extremely significant for Pendle where the the amount of yield matters right like if if you're looking at mm -hmm. a uh, a product where you know you're getting three percent three to five percent yield versus something where you're getting like 20 to 30 percent yield those two those products trade completely differently in pendle and they have massive implications for the potential yes. of people speculating on the yt tokens uh to really come out on top uh if they can understand the market well yeah, yeah, what I think is sure. it's basically going to happen. You will get a lot of L LRTs, as you probably already uh, expect uh, then. So there's going to be uh, LRTs that are native LRTs, uh, uh, isolated native LRTs. They're going to be uh, isolated uh, LRTs. They're going to be basket LRTs. They just put everything, all the AVSs inside of it. And native baskets that just have all the uh, like LRTs inside of it. So it's... There's going to be a lot of LRTs, uh, but I think it's just at this point we all these impl implementations are really cool, but we need to see like where where are the risks and how do we manage the risk in such a way so that we uh, still have a high yield but still also educate the users about the risks. But in the beginning, it's going to be quite simple with a couple of AVSs. But as Sam pointed out, there's going to be maybe hundreds of these AVSs, and then like we don't know. Uh, what what the risks are or how do you isolate it right well i i look at it more as like you know we the last time that we've had you on dan you know we talked about like the glp vaults we talked about some of the other high yielding pro products that have come out on pendle and those swings that those vaults have had have been pretty incredible for traders who are able to take advantage of them on pendle and yeah the, the higher the rate Essentially, the 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 YT tokens become these incredible leverage products that you can come in and, yes. and test the market with, and all that filters back into the PT as well too by driving up rates as well too. So, I think it's yeah. a win-win in the long term for for everyone that's looking at uh, the addition of restaking into into DeFi. For sure, I think even right now, just people speculating on points. Um, just to share a little bit, it took us uh about six months i think five five or six months to get to our first 50 mil of trading volume and the past two days alone we did 50 mil oh, wow. so uh, it the gr growth has been really insane uh, it's been pretty good since we introduced glp and a few of the perps assets but i think it uh had a big turn once we started supporting um lrts because a lot of eyeballs are in the lrt space right now and people want to speculate on it yeah and and mm -hmm. you know the the addition of new volume wow 50 50 million dollars in just this week two days bad. wow in two days wow <laughs> yeah so it, it took us a few i mean 50 50 mil might not sound much might, sound, might not sound a lot but we're doing 50 million yield so um yeah it's 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 actually quite a lot uh for 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 our metric and yeah i mean it took us what for five months to get our first 50 mil and yeah took, took us two days uh the past the past two days alone took you know cover 50 mil so it's been it's been pretty good um so i think mostly right now uh we see I mean, we, we did look into the addresses that tried um using pendle 
And we start seeing the degens. You can tell from the wallet addresses and from the contract addresses that they interact with, the degens are actually buying up YT, racking up points. Bigger wallets with, you know, eight, nine figures, uh, nine, nine figure wallets are buying up PTs at significant sizes. Um, you can kind of see users behavior, the degens are usually mm -hmm. leveraging up yields and points and the people who are playing it safe are buying up the fixed yield demand and this is kind of the first time we see both sides having very very strong demand and both sides are trying to push the market in both directions and that's what's generating the crazy high amount of volume um that we're seeing uh today yeah so it's it's been a boon for you guys taking a look at DeFi llama I, this is a little bit dark here uh but the tvl on your platform has been spiking i mean just in the past couple of days it's gone from 230 yeah. million up to 340 million where it is today uh the volume's been spiking for for the pendle token uh it's been pretty incredible for you guys so it's great to see that these new uh additions that are coming through eigenlayer have been such a such a a great boon for you guys uh to build with and uh, bring new users in with yeah for sure uh i think one interesting thing is our volume outside of um, LRTs have also significantly increased, mainly because of the increase in users that we have right now. So this just introduces us to a lot of new users and people come people come in not only to trade points, but also to pay attention on Pendle and actually figure out how to trade yields on Pendle. So across the board, our trading volume and TVL, TVL not so much, but trading volume has increased by quite a significant amount. Yeah, it's a great showcase of like the power of like Pendle, right? You can actually separate, you have the market with one value of points, one value is the actual ETH yield, and now they, 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 they're ripped apart and the people yep. can choose whatever they feel most bullish on. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think our Discord also, I think a lot of people are trying to evaluate, I'm oh, sorry, try to value how much, um, what the yield is going to be post airdrop. So what the restaking yield is going to be and people are trying to position themselves to position to like that that downturn when yields finally drop and points points are finally dropped and yields are um more sustainable and people are trying to position themselves for that uh it's pretty cool i think right now general consensus like uh, what sam said is about 10 to 15 percent of ETH yields which I mean, if, if you if you tell if you tell me you're gonna get native ETH yields for ten to fifteen percent uh, last year, I, I, I wouldn't have believed anything. But you know, now <laughs> native ETH yields at that amount is pretty reasonable, I would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm super bullish on restaking, but I I do think that the market is front running the the expected yield, so I, I think it's a bit gonna be. Uh, yeah, I think I think in Q three two thousand twenty four when we know the. Like the real yields i think they're going to be in the beginning much lower and then eventually much much higher probably than 10 percent. yeah hopefully do you think this is a question do you think there'll be more do you think there will be more avs's uh trying to fight for validators than there are validators or do you think there will be more people trying to farm yields which means that there are more validators you know it's just trying to make a guesstimate on where the yields going to be based on the market demand uh whether people de demanding the service or demanding to be the service provider? I think you touched on it earlier in that there's probably going to be two tiers of AVSs. There's going to be those that are supported by the incumbents and the majors that essentially have like de facto addition once they launch, right? We, we could probably think about 
I don't know, somewhere between three to 20 different major AVSs that are hosted by every single L LRT, right? And so there's this like shared uh, slashing conditions across all of them. Uh, but then we have other projects like EtherFi, uh, potentially StakeFrax ETH as well too, with how they're setting up their, their uh, V2 system uh, that will give a bit more diversity to AVSs, which are not added in that in that incumbency. And I think that's where the real opportunities are going to be uh, in in the later this year, right? Because you know you could think about that if you look at a system like Lido or potentially with Rocket ETH, uh, Rocket Pool, they have a, a huge amount of users and validators already in their systems. And so like their way that they have to manage risks and protect is is really only go with with the uh, AVSs, which are like fully vetted, completely on their uh, uh, like risk scales at a safer level, and uh, may not provide that that high yield that we're talking about. Maybe it adds another like again like it doubles the yield of whatever the base yield is. Maybe they get like an extra three to five percent for for Steth or, or Rocket Police. Uh, but if you look further at like ETH with what EtherFi is doing, uh, they could potentially s provide like a huge diversity in the AVS services that they're providing. And, and that's where the real yield opportunity is going to be because, you know, that instead of getting three to 5%, maybe they're now getting like 30 to 50% in the first year, right? It's, I, I think the, the unknown about how much value is going to be delivered back into those LSDs and especially ones that have smaller market caps relative to the, the services that they're providing. Uh, it will be a, a, a huge benefit for them as we roll out Eigenlayer. Mm. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, LST I, I yields are pretty boring. So LRT yields, yeah. I find, given that they have very wide risk factor, um, it's going to be pretty interesting to see the varying yields in LRTs just because of how, you know, uh, the risk range is very different from LSDs when just validating a chain. Yeah. So how have the products that have higher yields, I know that over on Arbitrum, you guys have the GLP vaults uh, and there are some other products on Pendle, which which do have high yields. How have those traded versus the LST yields or the LST yields, which are tracking in like three to 5% versus something which is tracking in like the 30 to 40%? Very, very different. Um. Okay, so our biggest volume drivers has been GDI, GLP, uh, these more volatile perp-dex assets and generally higher yields. Um, but LSD yields have also been pretty good, but most of the wallets that interacted with Pendle are more sophisticated wallets, and they come in size. And that, I mean, the type of audience that uses Pendle for these different these assets are very, very different. So um, I would say biggest volume drive... Uh, Biggest volume drivers will still be Protexes. Um, but for the LSDs, uh, we introduce more sophisticated users on board. And they, we had talked to quite a few of them, and they're more more so waiting for more liquidity to come in or maybe future product development that can support um, larger trade sizes, like these institutional, you know, six, seven figure trade sizes to be supported um, on Pendle. But um, liquidity-wise, it has been much easier to for us to draw liquidity to the you know the blue chips like STE, um, SDI. Uh, it's been just just because of how much sheer TVL they have, and people just want you know even extra two percent of yield. People are happy with it, and they just park it under Pendle for just those extra two percent. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. And so like all that kind of gets magnified once we have the restaking added to it. Uh, yeah. So restaking kind of, you know, touches everyone's um, risk kind of kind of risk profile. The more sophisticated. So TVL has been very easy to get just because of the nature of the asset. It's ETH. Um, ETH based, so a lot of people just come in with spare ETH and just earn an extra 20-30% of yield. Um, sophisticated users, because of how deep the liquidity is, they're able to get pretty high fixed yield. The high fixed yield is driven from the very, you know, people are degening on the points and trying to leverage up as much point as possible um, because of their um, view of the of how much the points are worth. So, you know, it's kind of the, the rare moments when all three avenues on Pendle have pretty significant demand. Yeah. And I, I would expect that to continue as you guys go forward. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I think the just this, you know, points meta has been pretty good for for us. And um, well, I'm not personally a big fan of it, but uh, if you're if you're in crypto, a lot of people are gamblers. So um, they like to speculate on the value of these points and um, they, they happen to give us TV on trading volume. So why not, uh, why not just let enable that platform for people to come in and speculate? So that's what we're building. So how do you approach adding new LSDs, LRTs, uh, over the next several quarters, you guys have added EtherFi. You also have the majors on there with Steph and Areth and Stickfrexeth and a few others. Um, yep. Uh, so. I think fundamentally, before we list an asset, there are a few asset. There are a few criteria um, we look into before we support the asset. First one, the asset should be very easy to go in and get out of. There's no locking period. So because if they're locking period, we're basically locking in, locking our users in our platform, which we don't want. Um, so uh, there are some exceptions. Like GDI have a three day withdrawal period. So if you're gonna exit from GDI to other assets, which in the app we help you exit. Um, we can only help you exit to GDI, but exiting GDI to other assets, you have to exit it yourself. But right now, GDI have external liquidity somewhere, so people can exit. So in terms, when we list new assets, um, no, that's kind of like our criteria. There's no locking period when you enter or exit a pool, or a reasonable locking period. Um, second one, if you have a locking period, you better make sure that you have very good external liquidity, so that when users exit, we can exit through external through external liquidity. Um, and also, it's very important for Pendle to not be your main source of liquidity. Um, because if Pendle is the main source of liquidity, when you exit, you have stragglers in the pool that are unable to exit because we are the main source of your liquidity. Um, and I think, you know, these factors in mind kind of, um, yeah, come into play when we assess an asset, whether we want to list them on Pendle um, or not. Also, Which is also what's stopping us from launching to every single chain possible out there. Because not all chains have deep enough liquidity for us to be in be, be in there, so right now we're only in BNB chain, Optimism, Arbitrum, ETH, um, which I would say are the probably the, the few chains that have decent um, liquidity inside. So yeah, I think before listing an asset, you know, it that should be some baseline TVL already. Yeah, and you're planning to list more like point systems or. Is that something depending on how um their infrastructure works okay so ideally if your point systems um can be split like how yields are split and your and your point system are your option point system is not too complicated and you can distribute it however you want um we can integrate it that's for sure uh but as long as 
the partner protocols because the points is not given by us, it's given by them. And if they're open to distribute the points, like how we distribute yields, then we can support it. Um, yeah, but if they're not open, then we can, you know, just market it as a pure LRT token. But I would say that it wouldn't catch hype as fast as um, the tokens with points trading enabled. Uh, so I kind of wanted to come to a more conservative asset, which is RWAs uh, yep. that have come on chain. Um, what do you guys? Know. Yeah. What do you guys expect for growth here? Because the they're giving similar yields, right? I know they don't have the upside of something like PTE, where you can essentially have ETH exposure. Uh, but there is a, a baked in, you know, four to five percent yield right now for products like yeah. SDI or SFRAX or other things. Um, how are you guys looking at at growth and for uh, RWAs in 2024? I'm personally very, very uh, excited for RWAs. I find the narrative, they got a quick hype last year, but it died down. But I feel like that had kind of inspired a lot of projects to start tapping into RWA. Mostly right now, I would say a lot of them are undercover in the R&D phase, but probably will start coming up in mid to late this year. And that's when I, we see RWAs to start popping up again, and we will definitely jump on board. But in terms of trading volume on Pendle, um, these RWA assets has been, they, have high, they had high trading volumes in the early days when we just launched them. And people are speculating on um, these RWA yields, but, but potentially, because uh, on SDI there was a more brief period where people are valuing the yield at three point something percent because people because it's you know SDI will start at eight percent but it's slashed down to five percent, and according to the governance forum, if um, TVL goes high enough, it's going to be slashed down to three point three. So market is speculating that it's going to be slashed down soon. And people have been you know, selling YT, buying PT, just get that fixed yield as high as possible, which kind of drove the implied yield down, which makes YT very, very cheap. And people are buying up that yield. Those who think that it's going to stay at 5% buying up that yield. So that short week of high speculation on RWA yield was very good for us. But you know, after a while, market, market, market finds, finds a place and people are... You know, comfortable enough with their position. Uh, don't want they don't want to rack up more current fixed yield, or they think that YT is too expensive. Markets at equilibrium. That's when you see trading volumes are slowing down, which is actually the case for most of our assets. Um, when it's new, um, lots of volatility, and then once market finds its place, trading volume slows down, unless something happens and you know staking yield changes, for example. Trading volume, uh, trading volume spikes up again. People speculating on yields, or GLP. Um, GL, GLP is over ever, ever changing, so it's always high volume. Um, but yeah, some 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 are pools, especially LSDs. Um, you know, generally have a very stable yield unless something happens. You know, it's pretty incredible to see you guys' growth. I know that we spoke, I think, mid last year for the first time, and you know, now coming to this year, by the time that one year turnaround point comes. Uh, you probably guys, you probably are going to be sitting at a billion dollars worth of TVL, which hopefully. Is, yeah. But I think it takes a different ball game to grow from zero to fifty and two fifty to one B. Um, at this point, we have pretty much exhausted all DGen money, and the type of audience that we have to target to go from two fifty. Well, right now it's three hundred something. Uh, uh, two fifty was the last time we talked, but three hundred something to one B. You can no longer rely on DGen money. There's a lot of institutional play that. Um, you have to nail to get to 1B. And that's kind of the thing that we are also focusing a lot now in 2024. And is that more like risk analysis or what, what would be the main driver to attract more like uh, other capital? 
Um, yeah, risk, risk, risk is one, but one. I find that institutions FOMO in a different way from retails. So retails, retails FOMO to other retails, institutions FOMO to other institutions. Um, <laughs> so one thing, what, what, what we're doing right now is kind of what we call logo farming. Just get as many logos on board as possible. So at the start, as usual, things will be inorganic. So like if like, you know, for, for the retails, you talk about yourself, you try to get influencers to talk about you and you try to get this inorganic approach ongoing. Same thing as, same thing as um, um, institutions at the start, there's a lot of BD play. Um, you reach out to them, handhold them through the process, get them to deposit funds in you. And then, you know, ask if you were, as if they're open to get a case study, a case, case study life. You know, once you get enough of that, more people will start flowing in. Um, so we recently got Abra on board. So Abra is um, uh, pretty has, has a pretty sizable AUM, I would say, um, on board. And we have a case. Uh, we published a case study, and we've yeah got a decent uh number of interests from other bigger players in this space. I can't name who, um, but you know, getting getting them on board has been pretty helpful. And I think that also. You know that same idea also applies to our panel earn integration. So just for quick contact, panel earn is a kind of like a simpler U, simpler version of our UI for uh, retails, um, which has been pretty good uh, in just attracting retail users. Um, so panel earn, we figured that it's a good pitch for centralized exchanges, centralized wallets to be a product because we provide fixed yield and it's pretty high. And uh, the initial response was weren't too good, but once we got OKS wallet on board, and then we got BitGet wallet on board, Coin ID wallet on board, Kobo wallet is now on board as well. Um, you've seen more and more interest from others that start coming in. So you know, retails FOMO against retails, institutions FOMO against institutions. So kind of, that's still the same strategy that we are employing. Hopefully it works. But yeah, that's a very much. That's a very good TLDR of a very high level, really good explanation. Yeah. Well, the first yeah, yeah. signal, the first signal that came last year was when you guys had that investment by Binance, uh, yeah, in like late Q3, and that was kind of the first signal of saying like, oh, hey, like Binance has institutionally given their stamp of approval here, let's bring on everybody else now. Yeah, that's that's also what what what, what I talked about the first time I was here that uh, it gives us a very strong stamp of approval from the biggest player in the space and. Uh, our credibility just skyrocketed. So our con conversations with other bigger players has also been easier because of these stamp of approvals. And we're just you know, collecting these stamps, like we're farming different things. It's great to see. I know that uh, Tarek, who's also a guest on here uh, quite often, would be wondering when is Pendle going to launch their L own L2? <laughs> um, hopefully, we are not uh, putting that idea we're not shelving the idea yet, so it's it's still out in the it's still out in the open. Um, Maybe with some AVSs as well, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be a very big Jenga that we're gonna be building on top of. The risk is a bit of a concern. Yeah, I know it's 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 one of those things that you can't take lightly. And is you know, I think if you're a bit more, if you guys were smaller and not uh, having 300 million dollars worth of tvl i mean you guys have already validated your your product market fit uh amongst institutional players so uh you don't have to course correct a ton at this point uh yeah um i think we've teased uh v3 as well so uh that i think also built in a direction to uh, you know again to scale us from 300 something mil to a couple of billion dollars it's just it takes a different ball game from just a random DGN product to um go to the sizes of Aave and Lido. What are you guys thinking about for your V3 product? 
might be too early to share, but I think the whole idea is similar well, to maybe how not, maybe not like maybe not specifics about the product itself, but just kind of thought process. The direction. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. yeah, or, yeah I think yeah. that that's where I'm going as well. Um again, it's more of if it just looks at some case studies of growth, um, for example, spot market versus futures market in traditional finance, um, everything is usually starts from spot markets and then futures market volume kind of overtook um, spot and then other forms of derivative kind of took over um, previous form of derivatives becoming the main volume driver. Same thing as uh, Binance and BitMEX. So back then Binance was the go-to spot market, BitMEX was the go-to purpose market, and then Binance started introducing their own leverage platform, their futures market, and then their purpose market. And they overtook pretty much everyone, and now they're de facto platform for pretty much anything. And we see that same trend play out again and again in so many places, and that's kind of the direction that we're thinking in as well. Um, it's just that the, the line of building that we're thinking is how do we go from this $300 million TVL to a couple billion? And how do we go from right now settling $20 million, you know, 15 to $30 million of trading volume a day to you know, a couple of billion dollars a day? And what are the nature of the asset that we're supporting? We're supporting yield assets, which is not really, does not have too deep of a liquidity um, just because of the nature of the asset, it's yield. And how do we um, solve that? And that's kind of the direction that we are thinking of. Just face, seeing what the problem with V2 has and you know, understanding this, the, the scale that we are going for, the scale of the market that we're going for, and try and build in that direction. Yeah, if I could look at uh, what has been done in TradFi, I would almost say that it would be on like spread trading uh, between the, the yield expirations, right? And you see this a lot in the, the futures market where yeah. you know futures market traded at size if if is is mostly about spreads right you're you're trading front month versus back month or differences in in months and you're you're not really worried about like price movements you're more worried about like okay what's the spread between these two assets like can we yeah. and and that and that's where your your tvl and your volumes can essentially grow to billions because you know instead of buying like one eth contract now you're getting a thousand eth contracts on the front month long and then you're a thousand month uh, thousand ETH contracts on the back of the month short, and you put the, those together. Now you have two thousand ETH contracts, which uh, people are then just playing the spread. And the spread essentially allows you to then, uh, you know, say that you know the, this this yield at this expiration is going to be better than this one, and and we can profit off of that. I think that is a good way of um, putting it. It was a bit early for me to confirm anything, but yeah, I think that's a good direction that, that, that you're thinking in. It's mostly us drawing inspiration from a lot of the traditional market. I think the same thing as uh, same thing that I, I shared last the last time I was here. They, we joke internally, but I think we low-key take it seriously that the goal, uh, we're not going to stop building Pendle until JP Morgan uses us to tokenize their bonds. <laughs> um, you know, that, I mean, we, 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 we joke about it a lot, um, but somehow i think everyone kind of take that seriously that maybe we should build in that direction um yeah but yeah that's that that's that's kind of the goal yeah because I, th I think like once you see more products so uh frax just launched their fxbs which bring uh like yield on chain or like the yield curve on chain and now you have expirations at the six month at the one year at the at the two year uh i know it's a little bit harder with like eth as it's a, a constantly uh it doesn't doesn't have expirations, right? It's just continuous rewards. Uh, but with products that you have, like the different uh, Steth expirations, 
the different RDTA expirations inside of Pendle, uh, that essentially allows you to kind of like scale up those uh, those those differences between the expiration spreads. Yeah, but right now, just because of how inefficient the market is, and also gas is pretty expensive, that mm -hmm. I would say the curve is not that. Uh, it doesn't it, tell much. Exactly, exactly. But once you guys launch your own app chain, and you move all the trading into that, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I am, no, 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 no. I think <laughs> I think that 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 idea has been floated around a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> totally to share. <laughs> uh, but really, like when you when you think about like uh, the derivatives trading right when it comes to like spread based yields uh for traditional futures contracts i mean that's a great model for pendle to take and that's something that would really allow you to to take your uh like deposits into the exchange scale them into billions and then take the derivatives market that's built on top of it and scale that into tens of, of billions uh because yeah. people would have demand for for those uh spread contracts I think generally you need to get off of, off of centralized exchanges, right? And then go more into decentralized exchanges and make that ecosystem more viable. And then with that, Pendle would also increase in, in volume, I would say. Yeah. I yeah. think that's yeah. where we need to move. Because I think right now, uh, even, even even right now, when we talk about yields um, and how you know institutions hedge their own yields, um, right now, most of the most of the big old players that we talk to do it OTC. So, mm. you know, they, they, they hold some amount, of, some amount of BTC and someone needs extra BTC for their yields and they're going to they're gonna borrow it. And yeah, they just do it do it OTC. This is a lot of these demands and deals that are done OTC that is not is being utilized. I, I find the market is really inefficient right now just because of there's lack of transparency and lack of platform enable um, these yield speculations. And um, there's a lot of untapped potential over here. Mainly they're not using Pendle also likely because our liquidity is not deep enough or because of the nature of the asset. We can't get deep liquidity because we're doing yields. So perhaps the derivatives built on top of yield might make more sense, um, like, like, like what you said, and more institution money can come on board. Um, but yeah, I think overall, the direction that we're building, of course, uh, is after talking to more more potential customers or users that are not using Pendle and why they are not using Pendle, trying to understand their pain points and uh, try to build in sort of that direction. So if you, like when contrasting yourself versus other incumbent DeFi protocols, um, I'm just looking at Maker and they had about $200 million worth of revenue for uh, into, into Q3 of last year. Um, how is your revenue predictions looking for 2024 right now with this explosive growth that you've seen in both trading so, and TVL? Um. Okay, so just for transparency's sake, we don't collect any revenue for now. Everything is redistributed to VE Pendle. But just from the fees that we settle right now, uh, with the current traction that we're seeing with EE, we are already um uh in, in fees, we're already making more than what we are what we're spending. Um but Obviously, everything goes back to VE panel holders because uh, our runway is still pretty healthy, so we don't have to collect anything just yet. Um, so it's a good sign for us that we are no longer unsustainable, but it's definitely not time for us to settle yet. We're not making a doubt yet. We're not making 200 mil, <laughs> 200 mil yet. So uh, we're, at a, we're at a state that where, where we don't have really have to worry about our um, runway anymore. But we're definitely not where we can be comfortable making racking up nine figures, nine, nine figures pretty easily. Yeah. 
So Defat Lama, I don't know. You can tell me if this is correct. Defat Lama has you guys spiking up. Oh uh, no, no, it's higher than this. No, uh, Defat Lama doesn't take into account most of our fee sources. Um, mm. So we take fees from swaps, and we also take fees from TVL. I don't think Defat Lama takes fees from our swaps. Mm. Uh, so our TVL, uh, basically for LPs, we take take a certain kind of fees just because we provide a service to tokenize yields, and then for um as swaps because we are an AMM every swaps we take a cut of fees and we also have limit order and limit order also has fees and um they also don't don't take that in uh in, into account um yeah and also I find it hard for us to coordinate with the default llama team because every time we list a new assets they have to plug in something extra into mm-hmm. uh their, their 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 API it's yeah a bit challenging to to integrate it yeah so here here we have a chart of the increase in trading volume. Uh, we can see that you guys are under 5 million coming into uh, beginning of this year. And then it's been spiking up. You guys have been clearing, you know, 15 to, to 20 million on average. Yeah. So that has been pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good to see. And even then, it's not only just, excuse me, uh, it's not only just for LRTs. Um, the LRT boom kind of introduced a lot of uses to Pendle and all of our other assets. Trading volume has also grown alongside it. Well, look I at think this, that line you can see, yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty incredible chart. I mean, this this doesn't take into account. So back in uh, November, or sorry, the or beginning or middle October, you guys were trading around, you had done 200 million worth of cumulative trading volume. Uh, that flipped right around the beginning of December. You hit 300 million. Uh, literally like a month later, you've done 400 million. Almost two weeks after that, you've done 500 million. And, and then with, within less than a week after doing 500 million, you just cleared 600 million. And yeah. so th- this chart is really going exponential. I think now. if you go to the top right corner, you see the timestamp, and you can toggle to a year. And uh, I think the numbers show better that way. Past year. Uh, let's see. Oh, numbers don't change. Oh, that's uh, too bad. Oh uh, yeah, this one didn't. Mm-hmm. Let me refresh. Let's see if it changes. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it's. Uh... Oh yeah, it didn't change. Yeah, it didn't change. It I think it's back for... on data team on that run. I think it's for this daily trading volume one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the top top pool has actually been the EtherFi pool, uh, which has seen a total of 141 million in volume over the past year, and then followed by the GLP. So GLP vaults have been out for quite a while, and also the the silo curve vaults have been out for a while as well too. This this EtherFi yes. uh, product has just been ripping. <laughs> yes, it has been ripping, um, just mainly because of like what I mentioned. All three choices on panel are now correct, so they're. Tap into the brains of all, I would say most DeFi participants. So that has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. And we can see that your your LRT, so the EtherFi product, uh, has 125 million worth of TVL, and it encompasses it, it beats out all the other products that you have. So the LSDs yeah. have five collectively, RWAs have six million. So uh, something has really been hit upon here with the EtherFi product edition. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think partly also because there's not too much you can do with LRTs apart from putting in some money markets to free out some capital. I think Panel is one of the first protocol to integrate it and still earn points. Um, so you know people have nothing much to do with their LRTs anyway. Might as well just park their liquidity under Panel. Yeah. yeah. All the excitement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's been pretty 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 healthy. Uh, but I think as as I think that the most you know 
the best thing that's happened to us is introducing a lot of new users um, into the protocol. Even even for those who are not looking to like you know make any DGN play, they just um, visit the app, go into the panel panel earn, which is our simpler UI, um, and play play around with it. And then yeah, we start to see more divergence from users in panel earn and panel trade. But the most of our addresses that interact with our contracts actually interacts with panel earn. I think about like seventy five percent. But more than eighty percent of our, the more of eighty percent of capital that flows into Pendle and trades on Pendle actually on Pendle trade. So you know, retails smaller money uses Pendle Earn. We see that more sophisticated money, bigger, bigger, bigger funds, fewer addresses use Pendle trade. It's really good to see that dichotomy play out on Pendle. We've yeah, the, which is the direction that we start building in when we launch V two. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so I did want to end up on uh, one last thing here. Uh, which is to get your opinion on this clip that came out uh, yesterday. Since we're all based in Singapore, <laughs> so Suju actually came out and he, he he's out of prison, uh, and he was doing a podcast uh, with the guys, and he was talking about the conditions within and just about the, what Lucas says the the harmonic return to the natural state of man. So let's take a listen. I mean, obviously, no one wants to go to prison, but I think that it's actually a really enjoyable experience overall. Like I would say. Um, not to the point of like highly recommending it per se, but but I would say yeah. that it's it's something that if everyone got to experience once, I think it's it's definitely good for you. Because um, like the, the way I would describe it is that all the things they allow you to do still in prison are the things that like in the ancient days like would still be considered entertainment, right? Like you can read all the books you want, you know, uh, you you have insane amount of time to read. Basically, you can do all the push-ups you want. You you know they they there's a foot la there's a food latch they give you lots of fruits every few hours they give you food your three meals and then the sleep is amazing because the they'll turn the light off at nine thirty and the light comes back on at five thirty but because you have no internet time you have no alcohol no caffeine or whatever you just want to fall asleep immediately and then you wake up like you know right when the light comes on so you actually like I had the best sleep of my life in prison uh, it, it's and because you sleep on the floor as well like on a ground without a bed. Um, actually, it's the same as like a Japanese tatami mat, basically. Uh, and I find that's actually really good for decompressing your like spine. And it's like the, the first few days you like have to like put a shirt under your joints or whatever so you don't get like a bruise. But then it's like uh, you like you're, you, you just adjust to it completely. Uh, and it's a really uh, magical feeling because you feel like uh, you're, you're like, I, like you feel a kinship with your ancestors. Cause it's like, this is actually how I was supposed to live. This is, yeah. this is what the, you know, uh, so, so that was cool. Well, and then, and like then you've gotten rid of like another thing, right? Like yeah. this whole big mass, like you, the bed, the entire concept of a bed yes. is just this massive, like space waste. Exactly. exactly. After you get Absolutely rid of it, you're nonsense. like, holy shit. Like I could actually live with like nothing. Like I yeah. don't need anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, maybe we should just send it back to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back to jail. I have no idea, man. What kind of what kind of kinship with his ancestors? Probably ancestors. Back to jail. Yeah, we need Garrett with his uh, to hunt. And send yeah. me to Singaporean jail, please. I want to reconnect with my ancestors. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I watched that a couple uh, just before this um, uh, this this session, and oh oh man, I I, I don't know. I, I don't, okay. First of all, who endorses prison, man? <laughs> Like these men just blatantly endorse endorse prison and okay, I get the philosophical direction that he's trying to try trying to trying to put, but you know, trying to 
try to put wisdom in everything that happened to you. It's not going to save you from what you did a couple of years ago. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> this, is, he, this is one of those moments we just appreciate these kind of interviews, like those Doquan interview a couple of, uh, like, what was it, two years ago? Well, with, I don't, uh, I don't think American uh, prison is, is uh, enjoyable as the Singaporean prisons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, crime rate here is pretty low, so I would say like your your inmates are nicer than the general criminal you see overseas. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, can you back to jail? Yeah, back to jail. <laughs> I've heard really good things about Singapore. Uh, I, I've seen some charts. Its GDP has just been skyrocketing. Beautiful place to live. Extremely safe. Uh, high trust society. Yeah, um, I'm not Singaporean myself, but I'm li I'm living here. It's a good place. Uh, moved here seven years ago. No plan of moving out. Um, it's a comfortable place, but I wouldn't say it's the best place to retire in. Just too small. It's good for <laughs> good for grinding. Yes, it's good, it's, good for, it's good for work. That's for sure. Um, I mean, if you're looking for a place that's just always hot and uh, it, decent food, nice. Decently nice people, public infrastructure is great. Um, government is great. Taxes are decent. It's a good place to work in, so you can definitely consider Singapore. And they're not—I wouldn't say they're crypto friendly, but they're not crypto hostile. That's good. Is it? Is your team primarily based there, or are you guys distributed? We are pretty distributed, but quite a lot of us are based in uh, Singapore, just because it's easy to work um, in the same space. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Uh, we're at the top of the hour. I really enjoyed the chat today. Um, I know that uh, we're going to be looking at Pendle a lot more as you got us add in more uh, LRT products. So I'm very Hopefully. excited to see. Yeah, let's see about the risk and the, the, how, how we can manage everything. And uh, <laughs> we should we should do another uh, restaking episode once 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 we once we have more LRTs listed on, on Pendle or when we see more boss there. Excited, <laughs> excited, guys. Sure. Yeah. Have you guys got the Argon Layer folks uh, in the show yet? Yeah, I think so. Um, we, you know, we had them on Flywheel a long time ago. Sharon was one of our uh, kind of get first guests from last year, and that was a great episode. But we probably need to have them back because they've they've added a lot more. Uh, yeah, to the protocol, and they've re released a lot more details now. So I'm curious on their thoughts on the risk that we just talked about. You know, because they are yeah. building it out. We'd really love to hear that. It's yeah, going to be one of those 2024. Yeah. Well, well, the wheel yield will come. <laughs> so it's still yeah. all the way. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those uh, just, uh, I don't know. Uh, 2024 could be the year of Eigenlayer. Um, we'll see how it goes. And it, that could be a great thing or a bad thing, <laughs> depending on how the, the rollout goes. I think it's going to be great and exciting. Lots of opportunities and uh it's, it's definitely going to be 40 chess it's going to get more weird than we have seen before but it's mm -hmm. going to be more fun as well so yeah i'm get... i'm just most interested to see how like the eth borrowing rates adjust once uh Eigenlayer comes out because for years you've been able to borrow eth at less than a percent on all the money markets uh, but what happens when Eigenlayer comes out and you see these sustained 20 to 30 percent yields Maybe even higher if you're a solo staker and you can manage your AVSs correctly. You know, you you could essentially run your own validator, make three percent, and then potentially, uh, if you're doing things right, maybe earn an additional hundred percent, two hundred percent on on eigenlayer. So, what does that mean for ETH? If if you can make that much, you should honestly be borrowing as much ETH as possible, 
uh, mortgaging your house. We're going the sailor route of, you know, there is no second best. Just sell everything, sell everything, buy more ETH validators and, and just become an eigenlayer uh, uh, validator supporter. There is no second best. <laughs> It's going to be a bit more complex than that, but yeah, no, <laughs> let's see. Uh, well, cool guys, Dan, thank you for being here. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter. You got your name right there. We're going to have all the links that we shared. So, uh, to the Pendle intern write up about the, uh, point system and, uh, please go check out Pendle. It's a great service and, uh, well worth taking a few minutes to go and try out. All right, cool. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks to you, and thanks everybody who's watching at home, and we will see you guys tomorrow. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye-bye.